Hi. Welcome to the future. Hello and welcome to Cage Fighting. It's your main man Andy Gillard here. Hope everyone's doing well in this brand new year. Hi everybody, Matt Guy here. Hope everybody has a wonderful start to the year. Hello. Happy New Year, everyone. You two bastards don't say it, so I will. <laughs> God, I mean, it has been, what, four weeks, has it, since we've sat down together to discuss films? It's been a while. It's been something like that. It's been, been a good yeah. long old uh, stretch. I almost don't know what I'm doing at the moment, to be perfectly <laughs> honest. <laughs> Uh, but we've got together because we're here to discuss last year. Um, for the rest of January, what we're going to do is we're going to review and then do a preview. So it's going to be uh, next week, we're going to be doing the disappointments of 2021. The week after, is going to be previewing 2022. But today is going to be our roundup of everything we loved from 2021. But before we get into that, how was Christmas and New Year, gents? Stu, Matt, you had a good one? Yeah, well, this year I actually got to celebrate it because the year pre prior to that, 7am Christmas Day, I was pinged. So Christmas <laughs> didn't happen the year before. So this was one of those um, just want to get through Christmas unscathed kind of years, really. Um, and the irony be the cruel irony being, I said no to a work event because I didn't want to risk because it was within 10 days of Christmas. Uh, <laughs> and uh, everybody got covid <laughs> and I didn't go to it, <laughs> so I was quite lucky, really, um, that I that I stood firm with it. But yeah, Christmas and New Year's was good, quiet, but you know, that it was it just it was just just glad for it to be happening. To be fair, it's nice to have a quiet Christmas, though. I think you know you mm-hmm. can do that much the rest of the year. It's good to be able to just sit back, relax, and kick your feet, uh, kick your shoes off. Yeah, exactly. did you have a good one, mate? It was weird. I mean. Uh... Because of football all being cancelled as well. I mean, even in pandemic football, we had something to watch. And with no Wolves games being on for like the first time ever over Christmas, it was like, well, it didn't feel like Christmas. It was completely wrecked. <laughs> and I think I had I had five bottles of um, Rocking Rudolph on Christmas Day. And then I think New Year, I had a, a couple of JDs. And that was it. It's the most sober Christmas New Year I've ever had since I was about 12. <laughs> does anybody actually do anything for new year's anymore i mean like since i've got the dog he doesn't like fireworks so i can't really go out anyway um but i, I don't really ever do anything uh, am i the only one or are you both party animals when it comes to 31st of december nah it's it's pause time eh? it's just full of if you go to a pub that you gotta that you go to all year end you've got to pay to go into it <laughs> why mm. um so I think the last time we went out was probably I'm trying to say about fourteen years ago, fifteen years ago, something like that. And that that was just in a pub around the in the True Britain. Um, but other than that, even going, like we used to go around. Um, Dean used to have house parties, and they, mm. they were superb. I mean, that was where the infamous thing where I slept on everyone's shoes because I was that smashed. Um, even though it was literally two minutes from my house, I slept, everyone had a sleepover, and I, I slept on the floor where everyone's shoes and coats were. And then woke up, and Doctor Doolittle was on telly, 
and so the, the first words of the new year was, "Oh, it's a push me pull you." So, <laughs> but um, yeah, well, I think we, the last time was around Dean's cousin Zoe's house, and that was probably eleven years ago, something like that. So every other, every ever since then, it's been me and Graham Norton on, on New Year's Eve. <laughs> Matt, are you Graham Norton or are you a uh, Last Leg, maybe, or whatever it is Channel 4 put on? Well, it coincides with um, the good lady's dad's birthday being New Year's Eve. Oh, okay. So it was the, it was a big one this year. It was his 60th, so we had um, a small uh, soiree this year. Um, I, I used to always be in town, Planet or the Gifford and what have you, but scaled that back over the last five years or so been out in brood a few times or uh, spelt Breewood for our uh, american counterparts um and that has been all right but yeah i mean it's it's a as mark corrigan eloquently put it everybody knows it's a scam new year's eve nobody actually has a good time and the pressure is just overwhelming to have a good time um mm. but uh it's one of those really i'm it's just not about the hoot nanny I can't no. stand the hoot nanny. It's so um, it's so pretentious and convoluted. I just don't want anything to do with it. Yeah, I, I used to quite enjoy the hoot nanny, but then a couple of years ago, I found out that it's not live. <laughs> so that just kind of spoils it a little bit mm. now. So I, I think I watched it this year because Rag and Bone Man and Gregory Porter were both on, and I do like both of those. But I only ever seem to see them on the hoot nanny. So that's the reason I tend to watch them, to be honest. My issue is, I'm, my first headline of the year is I really can't stand jazz. And yeah, it's I mean... very jazzy, yeah. isn't it, the hoot, I don't know. Boogie Woogie Piano can fuck off, to be perfectly honest. Mm. He's the worst thing about the hoot, and then he's Jules himself, definitely. I mean, he's... Um, he's Rag and Bowman doing um, It's All Heart of Mine. It was amazing. Yeah, it was great, wasn't it? Really, so really he, good. Never expected that to come out of him at all. Mm. But yeah, yeah, I mean, I think I learned about that probably about 10, 15 years ago as well. <laughs> like it, it was, it wasn't live. It was in. I'm sure it was probably in NME or something like that in the last days of NME magazine. Mm. Yeah, it is weird watching everyone celebrating the ball dropping when you know that it was like two weeks ago in reality. Yeah, it's piss poor, really. Anyway, films. Before we get on to it, because it's been a good month or so since we've sat together, have either of you two seen anything good that you want to recommend? Stu? Um, I'm trying to think that's not in the, in this list. Um, <laughs> let me just, let's just get it up here. Um, you took out the list there. Well, I've, I have bought some grey joggers like a complete chav. Look, <laughs> for the audio listeners. Yeah, oh, I've got mine on as well, Stu. <laughs> <laughs> I thought, well, I might as well embrace my yeah, my future and past at the same time. <laughs> um, yeah, a great one that's not going to feature. Wrath of Man. Okay. Guy Ritchie, Guy Ritchie Films starring The Stath. Oh. Again. Completely. No, one, no one's heard of it. No one's seen anything for it. No adverts anywhere. Really, really good. Really good action action heist film. Um, there's there's twists in it, so I'm not, I'm not going to get too deep oh, okay. into it. But actually, really good performances. Um, Josh Hartnett in it as well. Who yeah. you don't really see, no, you, you don't, don't see very well. often anymore. Um, and uh, is it Scott? 
Scott Eastwood, yeah. So, a bit of a Fast and Furious reunion there. Yeah, it was really, really good. Andy Garcia as well, briefly. It's a decent cast, Eddie Marsan as well. Yeah, mm. it's really, really, really good action film. And the kind of thing where you think, you think transport, the transporter films, and you take them for what they are. This one's actually got a really good story as well. Okay, um, cool. I'll add that one to the list. I'm not a huge Guy Ritchie fan, but I'll, uh, I do like the state, so. Yeah, it's it's more in the kind of. You know, the Guy Ritchie, um, Sherlock Holmes films that were a bit. They weren't bad, bad, but they were, they were okay. Mm. It's better than them. <laughs> okay, okay, fair dues. I started watching The Gentleman the other day, which I think is Guy Ritchie. Yeah, I, I, watched I, it, I gave yeah. up after 20 minutes. I hated oh, it. Really? Yeah. It, the first 20 minutes was just solid exposition. Just talk, talk, talk. And I'm like, yeah, this, this is not for me. Someone at work um, teamsed me, especially because of our growing fame, um, said, you do a film <laughs> podcast, don't you? You need to watch The Gentleman. It's one of the best films I've ever seen. Now, I know Mr. Ash Dolan was a fan of it when he saw it at the cinema, but it has divided audiences from what I've seen on um, like Rotten Tomatoes audience scores and stuff like that. So I think mm. it's, it's either a love or a loathe one, and uh, it was very much the latter, personally. Okay. And the other one that it's not going to get mentioned, because, again, another one that no one has heard of, Chaos Walking. <laughs> that sounds like it's going to be another Bruce Willis shitter. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Did um, did we retweet that that Bruce Willis article about it, his, his seven terrible film. films? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, the the casting chaos walking. That you're looking it up. Tom Holland, Daisy Ridley, Kurt Sutter. You'd know the face. Yeah. Um, Nick Jonas, Ray McKinnon. Again, you'd probably know the face. And Mads Mikkelsen. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, apparently, it's it's. Two unlikely companions embark on a perilous adventure through the badlands of an unexplored planet. So they try to escape a dangerous and disorienting reality, which is basically they're on New World, which is like a new Earth, like 2020, whatever. And um, pe- men's thoughts can be heard out loud. <laughs> That's worrying. <laughs> yeah, so it's a, which they refer to as the noise. So. <laughs> They have to con- some of them can control the noise, but it's it's all like this kind of spectral kind of rainbow effect around the heads when they're thinking of things, and so okay. you, it's all it's very out there. Apparently, it's like a young adult fantasy trilogy or whatever that's been adapted. Compared to obviously got shit reviews because these things always do because they're not the book. Mm-hmm. But who cares? I read the book and got no intention of reading the book. It was a decent fantasy film. Which I ne- I only knew about because I was looking at Tom Holland films after Spider Man. Oh, cool! Surprisingly, certainly switch your brain off. Don't think about things that clearly don't make any sense. <laughs> it's a decent two hours. Okay, super. Matt, have you seen anything worthy of mention? Um, I the only film I've seen at the cinema due to due to sheer business was uh, The King's Man, um, which I really really enjoyed. Um, it, even though it was kind of hard and fast with political history um, in terms of its accuracy, it's actually quite a fun ride. And it's difficult to be a fun ride purely because 
or I thought it was going to be just because of how much the first two kind of rely on it being so like the Kingsman of technological advancements over mm-hmm. everybody, whereas this is all pistols and, and swords and the like. So I didn't think it would be able to compare, but I really, really enjoyed it. It was really fun. I remember, Andy, you had um, very good things to say about it as well. So, yeah, I really, really, like, I was just really pleased and relieved that it was um, it, it was a hit, at least in my eyes. Yeah, I, I, the sequel didn't do it for me. Um, Golden Circle, I think it was. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't think that was a very good film. So I was kind of worried this was going to be more like the sequel than the original, but it, it wasn't. It was closer to the original. I was I was really happy when I came out of it. Really enjoyable film. A good uh, two-hour romp, I thought it was. Uh, I've seen a couple of films myself. I went to the secret show, which turned up, turned out being a film called Belfast. I'd never even heard of this film before seeing it. But I thought, well, fuck it, I'm here anyway. I will give it a chance. And it is a Kenneth Branagh-directed movie set during the Troubles of Ireland. Um, it's kind of funny and kind of tragic at the same time. It, really well done. It was shot in black and white, and it did add a texture to the movie. I think it worked mm. really well. Thoroughly enjoyable movie. Maybe the subject matter isn't for everybody, though. I will say that. And today I went to see a film called Boiling Point, which is the new Stephen Graham movie. It's been it's been put on the long list for the BAFTA for Best British Picture. Now, Matt, I know you were a big fan of Uncut Gems. Mm-hmm. It had those vibes to it. Yeah, It was so fucking tense. Like everything that was going a mile a minute around you because it's set in a restaurant, uh, in a kitchen in a restaurant, and everything's just going wrong on this one night. And it's just, as I say, it's a mile a minute kind of a movie. You never it know sounds, what's going to happen. It sounds horrendous, not in a bad way, just in a... Yeah, I can't, I, can't, I can't cook something on the hob in the oven and under the grill at the same time without <laughs> feeling stressed. Yeah. Much less watching this. Or it have someone in the that. kitchen with you. Mm. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, no, it, it was... It's a really good, but really almost visceral experience. I, I loved it. I, I think uh, I was talking to our friend Kelly, who was on this podcast, who you interviewed, Matt. Uh, I was talking to her after, and she was saying that because it's been long-listed, they're hoping to get the film back again in a few weeks' time. So I think if you do get a chance to see it in the cinema, mm, I would thoroughly you. recommend it. It was excellent. How does that work? Does someone come and take it away for them? Take the file away? I'm not the, sure. The real. Yeah, I'm, I'm really not sure because obviously it would be uh, files because it's all done digitally. So theoretically, I suppose they could show it again, but because um, something like the Lighthouse, it's uh, a two-screen cinema, they have to keep up and keep the films moving. Um, so I, I don't know, but I imagine if it does win a BAFTA, I could very well imagine there'll be a bit of um, bit of a clamour from the public to see the film. And because it didn't get a particularly wide release, I mean, it's been released, you can either rent it from them directly for nine ninety nine, or you can go to an independent cinema. I don't think any chains have actually showed it across the UK, which is it's quite disappointing, really. Yeah, I wonder if it's like a lot, like you, you buy a licence for a certain period of time or something, if that's how it works now. Mm, it could Maybe. be. I'm talking well, about, about Stephen Graham. I did watch a film, I mean, this was like, in the last year, but we ain't talked about it. Called the Help. Um, Stephen Graham and Jodie Comer. Oh yeah, yeah, uh, Killing Eve. Yeah, she was in Star Wars as well briefly. 
as uh, Ray's mom. But yeah, it's set in a care home during the COVID outbreak in England. Well, in Liverpool. Um, it's on film for, it was a film for lottery production thing. Oh, cool. Um, harrowing. Okay. <laughs> it's not, it's not <laughs> nice at all. And he plays someone with early onset Alzheimer's, which is new for him. Mm. <laughs> but obviously he's, he's excellent as usual. And it's all like how everyone was really fucked over <laughs> and independent care homes got no support whatsoever compared to NHS ones, which we all knew anyway, but seeing mm. it on the screen for my best part of Aaron 40, Aaron 40, it's like proper hardcore stuff to watch. Okay, geez. Well, that's added to the list anyway. Right, let's get on to our top five favourite films of 2021. The only rule is that the film has to have been released in the UK between the 1st of January and the 31st of December 2021. Uh, we'll go round the table. I'll go first, Matt, and then Stu. Um, so we will start it off with a film which I can't talk about, but my fifth place film is The Suicide Squad. Matt? So my fifth fifth. F-I-F. Uh, my fifth uh, place film is Free Guy. Um, because, mainly because it was a complete unexpected hit for me. Unexpected in the sense that I thought it was going to be really shite. Um, <laughs> everything about it looked terrible on, on first opinions. Um, Ryan Reynolds' fatigue has kicked in a bit now for me. Um, in that mm. there's only so much Deadpool you can take, and he's pretty much Deadpool in everything at the moment, with a little less swearing, maybe. Um, and with that, I thought, mm, I don't know if I can really stomach much more of him, but I'll see it because of the computer game links and everything else. Um, and it turned out to be a really fresh, really funny and sweet, and it was just a, it was just an unexpected delight and Mm. i've watched it a couple of times since and thought it's not going to be my film of the year because it's not the greatest film of the year but it's one of the most fun and sometimes that's just all you can ask for so i was really really pleased i saw it in the cinema setting as well because of the the big screen and the noise and the music uh, you know really helped it and it was just um it was just a great ride really enjoyed it Stu, you were a fan weren't you i love i absolutely loved it and uh... As per usual, I went in not seeing a single thing, so everything was completely brand new to me. And I, yeah, I took Ethan to that as well. So watching it with a ten-year-old mm-hmm. who's getting it for the Fortnite gags and all the kind of mm. the world-building stuff that even things that I hadn't because they released like certain weapons in Fortnite as well. So he'd been playing with these weapons. He went, "Oh, that, I played that last night," and all these kind of things. So you had the whole kind of bleeding entertainment mediums into one kind of thing going on so we got it for that we obviously got it for different reasons with some of the gags and stuff absolutely wonderful for me it was one of them where just constant smile from start to finish mm. it's just re- it's just really fun now it's exactly what it is don't pretend to be anything else and that's kind of a theme of my favorites as you'd expect anyway <laughs> <laughs> um on the whole but yeah absolutely love that film it was, it was so close to going on mine. I thought at the last minute, I thought, no, I can't. But I'm glad it gets a mention. Uh, what's your fifth place to show? It is Last Night in Soho, which we'll talk about later. Well, 
it'd be. <laughs> uh, my fourth place is a film called The Power of the Dog. Uh, it is on Netflix, starring Benedict Cumberbatch. I, mean, I like Benedict Cumberbatch, don't get me wrong, but he does, a bit like Ryan Reynolds, he has that one type of character that he plays, the quirky, kooky genius. And Pair of the Dog isn't that. He actually plays this rough and ready um, farmhand set in the um, Old West in the United States. It's a departure from his normal, but it's a film where they're looking at the nature of identity, the mask of masculinity, and growing to become the person that you're going to be. It's about power and weakness, love and hate. It's got a bit of everything in there. It's it's obviously very early days, but I think this has got a very good chance of getting maybe the Best Picture Award at the Oscars. It's between this and another film of the ones that I've seen so far that I think have got the best chances. I think it's a real, real deep and powerful piece of art. I think fantastic. I wasn't going to put it on my list because I didn't see it until like a week into 2022. I was going to put a cut off, but it's just too good to not make it into my top five. I saw someone compare it to Nomadland. I get that, yeah. Yeah. I um, prefer that's... this to Nomadland. I liked Nomadland, but I, I preferred this. But it, this spoke to me more because I think it's about masculinity. Maybe. I, I don't know. But and I, that's I what's about it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but Nomadland's more about... Oh. Yeah, not I know. Free I know. Spirit, but do you know what I mean? It's, yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, I, I think yeah, it's got the ability to ape what Nomadland did last year. Matt, your fourth place, please. So this was a TV show on Netflix called Sweet Tooth. Um, Sweet Tooth was something that took me by surprise and has that really well had that really weird um, trait of being able to draw you in, even though you had no intention of watching it. So I saw it through Sam, and by episode three. I was like, don't you dare watch it without me. Because <laughs> um, it was just, it just had something. It was like, to, to cut a very long story short, it's one of these end of the world um, dystopian things where there's hybrid kids that are merged with animals. And it's a tale of one of them trying to survive with an unlikely ally that turns out to have had a seedy past. You've seen the story all before in other forms and mediums, but it's just really excellently done. Um, it's for it is I think it's DC property, if I'm not mistaken. It is. Yeah, um, um, uh, Jeff Lemire wrote it for Vertigo, which is part of DC Comics. Um, my understanding is it, it's a bit of um, uh, a Mickey Mouse version of the original text, in that it's a bit more happy, go lucky. It's not quite as dark. It's aimed for you maybe young adults or I dare say just a, a less um, miserable clientele than the, the average DC fan, I'm guessing. Um, but it's just a really fun, really fun, enjoyable watch that was just a bit of breath of fresh air when at the time I was watching pretty much exclusively serial killer documentaries. <laughs> <laughs> it's been on my list for a while, Sweet Tooth. Um I mean, I've still got Lucy for season six. I need to watch before I get to Sweet Tooth. It has been renewed for season two, though, hasn't it, Sweet Tooth? So I'm I not going to rest. I'm not going to rest until you watch Brockmire. 
I'm going to put that on the list now. Right, Brockmeyer. I know, I know. It's just finding time to fit it all in. Still haven't finished Golden Girls, which I started at the end of last year. I know, but there's, there's a joke in Brockmeyer I need you to see. Because I know how much <laughs> you're going to laugh at it. And it made me laugh. Because I'm such a terrible person, it just involves... One of the, it involves hitting a ball. He commentates that a ball was hit so hard it, that ball wouldn't. It, it was tattooed, so it wouldn't be allowed to be buried buried in a Jewish cemetery. <laughs> <laughs> it's like those kind of jokes. Okay, it, it does sound like my kind of thing. To be fair, uh, Stu, your fourth place, please. And it is against all odds the Suicide Squad, which. After the absolute shambles of the first one, which I despise with every ounce of my being, I kind of went in with a bit, oh, it's, I know it's going to be better because it can't possibly be worse. I didn't expect anything like what it came out to be. And again, like we already said about just big smiles on your face, silly bollocks, it just worked. Every single thing about it worked in the same Guardians of the Galaxy kind of way obviously. Mm. Um, and they managed to do it. And it didn't seem stupid. It's Well, it, it did seem stupid, but it didn't seem forced and it didn't seem like they were like the whole, like the M&M nonsense in the first one. Mm. No need for it. Everything in this was so tight and nailed in. Every Even Peter Capaldi hamming it up. <laughs> that worked. He was excellent in it, wasn't he? Yeah. And I just... For films that I should have watched again already, and I haven't done it yet, I don't know why. Um, this had to be in there. It had to be in there. And having it, at f- the only reason it's four is because there's three that I enjoyed more. Mm. But again, that is massively pushing it because I love this film. Yeah, I, I had a proper riot watching the Suicide Squad. I feel like over the last, well, let's be honest, the last almost decade of of comic book films, they all feel like they're pretty homogenous they don't feel like there's a lot of variation between them they all feel like they're cut from the same cloth but the suicide squad didn't it felt unique it felt as close to reading a comic book as any other comic book film i've seen i thought it was wonderful great fun that's why it made it into my top five i just thought it was an absolute fucking riot it was brilliant yeah matt you were a fan obviously wrestling fan so john cena what do you think I thought he, I thought he is blossoming into quite the wonderful action actor. Mm. If I'm being perfectly honest with you, he the thing that separates John Cena from one Dwayne the Rock Johnson is that Cena can play a realistic and believable dorky character as well as an action man. Mm. In in blockers, cock blockers, he plays this like stuck up dad. Peacemaker isn't cool. He's he's uncool. Thinks he's cool, but he's uncool. Like he mm-hmm. he can play that quite believably as well as then just being a badass as well. And I think actually the sky's the limit for John Cena as a as an actor, providing he just gets given the right roles and nothing nothing too meaty that requires too much emotional depth. Yeah, I think that that's completely fair. Uh, my third choice is one we're going to have to skip over, and that is Pig. Matt? My third choice is Pig <laughs> as well. 
So we're going to have to skip over that one as well. So on to Stu. <laughs> and we are, I'll be astonished if Matt's even seen this. Tick, tick, boom. I have not. <laughs> <laughs> it's... Um, Remember how last year when we all got all overexcited about watching Hamilton every week? Yeah. No, this is going to happen for this year. <laughs> Tick, <Tick-tick-boom laughs> Boom is Hamilton for 2022. Lin-Manuel Miranda's directorial debut, I think, is it? I believe so, yeah. And it's a biopic, or biopic, whoever you want to say. Um, mu- musical based on the, the musical of the main character. <laughs> it's... It's how, do you, how do you even describe it to someone who I know is not going to like it? <laughs> it? It is weird because it's it's such a unique film. So it is about Jonathan Larson who wrote Rent. That That's like his most famous um, mm-hmm. work. But before that, he did um, Tick, Tick, Boom. And this is the biopic of him writing, experiencing life that fed directly into the stage play. Of Tick Tick Boom, okay. Like, it is difficult to explain, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. It's a, the stage play is basically him. <laughs> the stage play is him basically talking about how he came to write another musical, which didn't get picked up, right? And we're, this film, we're talking walls within walls here. Yeah, and yeah. this film is the events that led to the stage play about. The musical that wasn't picked up. Okay. Starring, starring Andrew Garfield as well. Let's <laughs> just get it out there. Yeah, and Garfield is fucking incredible in this film. There, yeah, there's an Oscar in that dude's future. And he sang everything, and he learned how to sing for this film. Hold on, is this is this not um, that Christ? What was the name of that Nick Cage film we watched where he was the writer trying to write the Orchid adaptation? Is it this adaptation? Sort of, a little bit. Within yeah. that world, because they, obviously they have musical numbers and stuff which take you out of the real world. Um, so mm. it is a musical as well as being a, a biopic. And having them practice for the actual musical they're trying to make. Mm-hmm. So it's, yeah, it's it's an onion of a film. There are layers and layers of it. And, and Vanessa right. Hudgens as well to perv over, as usual. I love Vanessa Hudgens. Everything I've seen her in, she's always really good fun. She Even looks... those dreadful Christmas Netflix films, she's good in those. Yeah, she just seems like a nice person. She does, yeah. Defo, defo, a diddler. Then in that case, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that, that's a top choice. I, I was toying with putting that one on myself as well, to be honest. But yeah, uh, so my pick is another one. I'm going to have to wait, but not too long. Uh, it is Last Night in Soho, Matthew. Uh, Last Night in Soho is also my number two. Excellent. Tell the world why you love it, Matthew. I loved Last Night in Soho because it was, whilst everybody was creaming their pantaloons for everything that was Marvel in the world, Last Night in Soho just waltzed in with this 60s glam vibe and just was just un believably stylish not so much suave but it was just a jolt in the arm of like this kind of sexy horror aggressive film that i just had mm. no idea was was going to be as good as it is it could be no i'm i'm you know my for, for, for being a bit of a film 
casual, filthy, dirty casual. My, you know, history with Edgar Wright is purely the Cornetto trilogy. Um, so I had no idea he could do something like this that was so visually and musically um, stylish, chilling, and entertaining. It was just, it was just such a great, great, well put together slasher horror comedy in parts it was just a really excellent film that was a complete surprise to me and i'm really really glad again that i took the time to go to the cinema to see it and experience it loud loud mm. and bright and in color and in my face um it was just it was just excellent it, it, if it wasn't for the film that i have as number one which in my opinion is a masterpiece of filmmaking um this would have easily have been my number one yeah, I, I I completely agree. Like the one that I've gone with, I, I think is just an all round, like an all rounder kind of film. But last night in so I thought it was just a magnificent film. It was so thick and densely layered, and like you could almost smell the cigarette smoke that was on screen. Mm-hmm. You just mm-hmm. felt like you were part of it. Immersive, it, wasn't it? It immersive, was immersive. Yeah. It that's was just, exactly the word. You, yeah. you were there. You were almost playing the game of this movie. You were so involved in everything mm. you were seeing. And, um, and again, Matt Smith was excellent. Oh, phenomenal in it, wasn't he? Yeah. He hasn't really made the jump to the big screen yet, has he? But this this could be his breakout party, I think. And yeah, he was really. making the most of his minutes as well because he didn't have that much screen time. Um, no, no, but he had right. a big impact on the on on the overall, you know, film. Mm. I love the scene where they're in the uh, in the dance room, and Matt Smith is dancing with Anya Taylor Joy and the other girl whose name escapes me at the moment. And they, when she, one comes out of shot, the other one comes in, like it's a yeah, seamless was... thing. Oh, it's so well done! It's absolutely fucking gorgeous. And I love the fact that this is, this might be the first time we've ever done a top five where all three of us have got it on our lists. That's mm-hmm. how good it is. It appeals to something that three guys who have similar but not the same taste in films, like we all enjoy some, something different in movies, and yeah. this appeals to all three of us. That's mm-hmm. magnificent. I mean, me kind of growing up with the, the kind of soundtrack as well, with vinyl around the house and like and stuff and Silver Black and that kind of thing. Um so from that, that's why I went to see because I knew that the soundtrack, not Edgar Wright like you did, but I went for the soundtrack and I thought, oh, this looks a bit weird. Um, and then I showed I showed the trailer to Mum and she was like, what is it? Exactly. What is it? Can find out for yourself. And then she went and watched it. She said, you're right about that. It's amazing. I know. It's, it's just... There's so many genres that's just smashed into one in this. Like I didn't expect it to go where it went at all. No clue. Mm-hmm. Um, again, watching the trailer would have been ruined. That's your lesson for this year. Um, <laughs> yeah, fully deserves it. It was like I said, it was it was number five on mine, but it doesn't mean I didn't enjoy it equally as much because I did. I loved it. Mm. You know, I think it might be the least Edgar Wrighty of Edgar Wright's films, though. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, I mean, um, Baby Driver is possibly the closest in um, the use of music and stuff like that. But I think it shows growth and adaptability from a director. So I was already a big fan anyway, and now I'm just really excited to see him turn his hand at something completely different. 
brilliant film. Uh, so second place for you, please, Stu. And as soon as I saw this, I don't know, it was always going to be in the top two. It was just which way around it was going to be. And obviously, if you listen to our, um, our very heated discussion a few oh, weeks, no. oh, no. <laughs> a few oh, weeks ago um, on the, this, this cinematic masterpiece, and it is Spider-Man No Way Home. One of the most enjoyable two and a half hours of the last 20 years. Not going to go into everything we said back then. You go and listen to the episode. It was fun in its own right. I love this film. No one's ever going to take it away from me. It is brilliant. I honestly don't know what to say. <laughs> it's not a bad film, but is it Second really best one film of the, of the best year. film? I... Second, let's clarify. This is favourite, not best. Yeah. If yeah. this was if if this was best, it would be obviously not. Well, it, it might be fifth, but it wouldn't be in the top two of best film of the year, favourite film of the year, most enjoyable film of the year. This is my second. I love it. That's fair because there is plenty of fan service there, and if you're a fan of that, then it, it is going to tickle your pickle, isn't it? Let's be honest. So I, yeah, okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, anything you want to say furthermore on Spider-Man? Hey, listen, different strokes for different folks. One man's pleasure is another man's poison. I am going to grow in 2022 and let people enjoy what they enjoy. I'm not going to be a doom bringer. <laughs> if you want that, though, listen back to the previous episode um, <laughs> because you'll get it in abundance. <laughs> After we've had like a bit of time that's passed now, Stu, do you still think it's a 10 out of 10 film, though? For the reasons I said at the time, yeah. Okay, that's fair. Uh, I, well, this is what I said at the time. It's a 10 out of 10 film for me and everyone who's fully invested in all in these 150-odd hours of Spider-Man stuff. Mm. <laughs> if you're a filthy casual, um, you're probably talking 8 or 9, which is probably where about it is on IMDb now. I ain't checked for a while. Yeah, it's I'd about 8.6, something like that, I think. Yeah, I'd, I'd guess it's settled around about there because that's probably about fair because everyone's... People who it wasn't clamouring to go and see it first before, because of spoilers and just wanted to go and see a fun Marvel film then. Yeah, that's it, that's what it is. Can I respectfully ask a question, Stu? <laughs> do, do you think that for the aforementioned time you've put in to that universe that you're maybe suffering from a bit of Stockholm syndrome when it comes to Marvel. <laughs> that you think like that you think you've got to enjoy it because if you don't enjoy it, it's a lot of time wasted. Well, I'll defer that's that. A fa- to, that's uh, a fair question. That is, I think mm-hmm. I'll defer that to uh, to next week's podcast, okay. and we'll we'll soon find out if I've got Marvel fatigue or not. <laughs> um, there's been some fucking shocking stuff. <laughs> the, eternal, so, the eternal question. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> yeah, we will. Um, I know, I know when it's bad. I, I, I'm not blinkered like some of them. I, I know when it, when things are bad, they're very bad. Mm, <laughs> if we just had a, if we had a baseline of Hawkeye, and just keep everything at Hawkeye levels of that nice eight, then that'd be perfectly fine for me. But there's some that are just bad. Mm. Oh, you see that one one division actually won something. Did it? <laughs> yeah, I saw. I saw. Um, it was it was going everywhere the other day, and. 
like it won best serial or best streaming best streaming series or something like that. Ugh, did you me. see that? Uh, did you see that meme that was flying around of uh, Doctor Strange talking to Wanda and she says, "I've done some terrible things," and then Doctor Strange just says, "I don't have Disney Plus." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's great. That is <laughs> brilliant. Right, so you asked, you said, check out the archives if you want to hear the four of us, uh, be us three and Dave Evans discussing Spider-Man No Way Home. Uh, what we'll do now, we'll do a few honourable mentions on films that didn't quite make it onto our list. My first pass at this list was like 32 films long. <laughs> so I managed to squeeze it down to a top 10. So the, the five films which didn't make my list in no particular order, um, Ghostbusters Afterlife, I, I just really enjoyed it. I smiled throughout the whole film. There is a lot of fan service, but I enjoyed myself, sue me. Uh, Promising Young Woman was probably the first film I saw in 2021 that I knew was going to be in my top 10. Even though it was like February when I saw it, it was that good. You know, it's a rape revenge, but it's a modern day twist on it. it yeah, it's excellent. A Quiet Place Part 2 was the first film I saw in a cinema for nearly two years at that point, you know, or 18 months as it was. It was great to be back in the cinema. It was a great film. Ron's Gone Wrong, I went in with really low expectations of that film. I had a few hours to kill between two films that were on that day, so I just thought, fuck it, I'll, I'll go and see this. It's written by Peter Bainham, who did Alan Partridge, Brass Eye, Borat, so like, it was always going to be my kind of thing. I had the screen to myself and it was brilliant. I had such a good laugh watching it. And the other one is a film I mentioned to you the other week called Titan, which is hey. a, it's a film about unconditional love hidden behind a layer of a horror facade about vehicular objectophilia. It is as fucking bananas as that <laughs> sentence sounds. But it's got some of the most impactful visuals I have seen. Oh, yeah, it's brilliant. It's a very small released independent film. I think it was out late December. You may still be able to find it. If you enjoyed Raw, it's by the same director. Brilliant. Sounds like she was Raw after as well. <laughs> Matt, honourable mentions. Uh, we had um, just a couple of just a couple for me. Ghostbusters Afterlife was was great, um, but I was never that mad into Ghostbusters to begin with. So while it was a great film, it was never exceptional. Just mm. because I don't know that world as well as as well as you two, but it was a great film, really fun, really enjoyable. Um, and to, uh, one probably not surprise honorable mention, one perhaps surprising, both in the Disney verse. Uh, one being Jungle Cruise, really really excellent oh, um, right. film, great really film. really fun. Uh, the other was Cruella, which I thought was um, a fantastic film. I really enjoyed Cruella. Mm. Had no right to enjoy it. I like. I watched it for Sam, my wife, my wife. Um, but I, but I've, I just really, really enjoyed it. Emma Stone just played a fantastic, um, really unlikable yet likable uh, Cruella de Vil, and it's well worth your time. That mm. movie. Both of those films I saw with low expectations, and. They're probably the two films which exceeded those expectations more than any other film last year, mm -hmm. I think. They were, mm -hmm. yeah, good choices. Chip? I mean, uh, obviously, a lot of mine have been mentioned already and we've kind of hinted at it throughout the episode, but um, a few that haven't. Sound of Metal, I thought was an incredible, incredible yeah. film. God, that, that was it, 2021. Yeah, mm. very early on. Um, if this would have been best film, this would have been in the top three easily. 
mm. but it's not really enjoyable. <laughs> it's it is what it is. We've talked about it before. Just go and find it. Is it it's still? It's Prime, I think. It's on Prime, yeah, yeah. Yeah, just go and watch it on there. Um, Beatles get back. Just and for a technical masterpiece of how they managed to do it, more than anything else. Obviously, if you don't like the Beatles, then you're weird and whatever. But okay. you know, um, for just for yeah, it is eight and a half hours, and it is a bit monotonous in points. But just to see eight hours worth of footage of them lot just being themselves from 1967 or 69 or wherever it is, just it's just so weird, just. Mesmerizing, not good, not a, not the best film of the year. It's a three part film, but it's just something you need to see. Even if you need, just give it a go, just give it a little go. If you don't like it, turn it off. But I think everyone just see, just see what they've managed to achieve with mono sound making it using AI and everything to get it into five point one as well. Just superb. Uh, what else have I got on the list? I watched. Mm, shall I? Shall I do it? June. <laughs> <laughs> we can't really talk about June until the uh, the second and maybe third part saved. But again, it was I liked it. I know you, you didn't like it at all. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, again, I, it's been on the list. And I, I was tempted to watch it again, and I, thought, I know I'm going to have to watch it again before the second part comes out in a couple of years. So I'll save myself for them to enjoy it properly. Mm. Um, and the other one was that almost made it was Red Notice. It was a fun film. I, I did enjoy yeah. myself watching it, yeah. And they've confirmed that parts two and three are going to be shot back to back at some point in the next couple of years. So excellent. Yeah. A, a, a great year of fun nonsense. There was plenty, yeah. Uh, my f- number one choice for 2021 is Steven Spielberg's West Side Story. I thought it was absolutely incredible. I was just blown away watching this movie. I knew it was going to be, you know, competent film because it's Steven Spielberg. Generally with his films, I find that he needs a good editor to bring the film into, you know, some decent shape. But he got it right with this. And it's very, very rare for a film to exceed the original, but but this did. This is better than the 1963 version, I think it is, uh, which I also watched over Christmas because it was on BBC Two. It was an absolute masterpiece. It was wonderful. And this is the film that I think possibly stands the best chance of beating Pair of the Dog to the Best Picture Oscar. Literally, the, the, the weakest link in this film was Ansel Elgort, who was the main actor. Everyone else around him were acted out of their skins. The guy who played Riff, I think he's probably going to win the Best Supporting Actor, or he's at least going to get a nomination for it. He, I don't even know who the guy is. I don't think I've ever seen him or anything else. He was so watchable, so likeable and loathable at the same time, exactly what that character needed to be. It was phenomenal. The music was on point. It was f- just fantastic, the performances... Um, in regards to the choreography, the singing, everything that you expect in a musical. It was brilliant. It's the one film that I think, it's something that I almost think about every day since I've seen it. Like, I can't (laughs) wait for that to come out on DVD because I actually want to buy it. It was good enough for me to spend my hard-earned money 
and getting a physical copy of it, which I just don't generally bother with films anymore. So that that's why it's my number one. I think it was a wonderful film. I mean, it was, had every chance of being on mine, but I just haven't seen it yet. So I can't, mm. I can't comment. I mean, I, I love the first one, and we did it at school as well as a play. And yeah, I who, um, who was you in the play, Stu? Um, I wasn't in it. I, oh, I, I okay, did, okay. We did scenery. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think we, what's the last thing I did? No, we've talked about that before. I can't, we can't go into that again. The last, <laughs> the last time I did any acting was um, in GCSE. Ne- never really for another, a main crowd. Um, but yeah, it's it was on the list. I just ran out of time. Mm. Simple as that. But yeah, it's right up my alley. That is. So yeah, I've, yeah. I think you'll like it, sure. I really l- looking do. forward to that one. Mm. Yeah. Uh, Matt, your number one, please. My number one is the masterpiece that is the Matrix Resurrections. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's not um, the reaction I expected from you, Stu. Uh, and I'll tell you for why. Uh, I'll tell you for why. The Matrix Resurrections, um, for me, was just a masterpiece. And it was a vital lesson to let people enjoy things that they enjoy. Um, because I can understand why people dislike it. But for me, growing up with The Matrix, The Matrix was the film probably next to The Crow, that defined how I felt as a teen. It was new metal, it was edgy, it was different, it was counterculture. Everything about The Matrix was just what I wanted to be when I was like 13, 12, 13. So The Matrix means a lot to me. And this film, Lana Wachowski has had the... I was about to say, had the bollocks. (laughs) Odd choice of phrase. Well, she did. Basically, to look at what she created back then and say, that is not, not acceptable anymore, but that is not the world anymore. And I'm not going to pander to people just wanting, I'm not going to give the people what they want because that's not good enough anymore. I'm going to do something completely different and I'm going to take the piss out of what I've created and my legacy and I'm going to give you something else and make and try and be as groundbreaking as I can be again and I'm going to shove it in your face. And I think it was just really well done. Some people look at it as if it's, it, 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 it's reliant on nostalgia by the fact that the film plays in the background in parts and it's really meta humour about kind of it jokes about how now Morpheus is this sexier Morpheus and he's like this cooler Morpheus. Agent Smith is like better looking and suave and a kind of rainbow laces version of the architect in the analyst. And, you know, basically Lana Wachowski wasn't afraid to stick the middle finger and try to protect a legacy at all costs like a lot of people do when they kind of have a reboot or, 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 or an extra episode episode for, you know, 20 years later, it looked back and, and actually said to itself, I want to do something different again. I don't want to pander to what we've had in the past and just create another Warner Brothers hash film that mm. we, I could have done. I want to take a risk and do something different. It was just very, you know, the plot, whilst massively sci-fi and ridiculous, you know, made, made sense. They wrapped up the loose ends of 
what had happened in the trilogy and explained why things are going on uh, and did it in a way that actually you know makes sense believe it or not in this in this crazy world don't get me wrong it, it, it has its flaws um you know pinkett smith looks horrendous as an old woman um however it's just for the enjoyment experience of it it was just it was second to none. I just had a blast watching it the whole way through. I was just thinking to myself, this is just, it's, it, it, it's not nostalgia when you're taking the piss out of yourself, but it's also saying this is a shinier, sexier, newer model. And, um, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to do something different. And I just, I just thought it was an absolute triumph. Really loved it. It baffled the shit out of me. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, it took me two days to kind of, Get my head ready if I liked it or not, because there was there was parts that I loved. There was parts I thought, is that good or is it really really bad? And then I went on Twitter, which is never a good idea, <laughs> and it was all over the place. It was like tens to fours to this is the worst film of all time. What have they done? Obviously, this has been they didn't get the joke about Warner Brothers making us to make this that kind of thing. People thinking that was an actual legitimate dig. <laughs> Why would why would any studio put that in their film? <laughs> Come on, yeah. <laughs> I, now settled on it. It's it's probably my second favorite Matrix film out of the four, which I know is not saying much, but <laughs> it's a low bar to cross, though, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> but it it was. It's been a long time since a film made me actually think if I liked it or not, and that's that is not a bad thing in this case because there was so much to unpack. And I, I was into the old leather doom kind of uh, emo goth nonsense at, the, at that age. <laughs> so I just liked it because it was cool. And I've, as I said before, running up walls, which I tried and obviously couldn't do. It was my, I loved that film. So the first one. Um, so waiting all this time, being the only one, me. Loving Matrix and Avatar, been the only one for constantly defending them to excellent franchises. Um, for this to come back and be as good as it is, bravo! Yeah, I mean, the first one is an almost perfect movie. It's it's an exceptional standalone film, and the sequels just didn't fit in with it. They were unnecessary. They didn't really work for me personally. So watching this, I was quite trepidatious. I didn't enjoy it, but I sort of <laughs> respected it almost. Mm. Like I, I liked what they were getting at. I just didn't have fun with it. It I don't. It just wasn't made for me. I don't think ultimately. But I am glad that there are people out there who got what it was going for. Like I, is... I remember texting you both when the credits are rolling. Like oh no, this is shit. And then the mid credit uh, mid credit or after credit bit and I was like when that came in it completely changed my whole reading of the rest of the film before it it was interesting it just wasn't for me I think is, is my thing about it we were, we were both saying I can't wait for Andy to watch this because he's got a proper <laughs> kick off <laughs> it was like a disappointment that you didn't in the way. Like, I didn't hate it because there's enough there that was interesting and unique and it was a as matt said it was it had a meta textual message to it and i really liked that it just wasn't fun 
And I think I wanted something fun from it, and I just didn't get that. But I, like I say, I'm glad that people did get that. And yeah, excellent. Uh, so your number one, please, Stu. I mean, this is one. It's not, I'm surprised. I'm shocked that I'm the only one putting this number one after how much we've talked about it in the last <laughs> last year. And it was one like the tale is, is told many a time now that after about ten minutes, I put it in the group saying this. Is actually something special here, and obviously, obviously, it's pig. <laughs> Let's put that there. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's obviously pig. I've noticed it's been a long, long, long time since a film hit me like this did. How good it is! How everyone is so superb in it, and yeah, I know the piss took out me for missing the interview and everything um, for a wedding on. Who has a wedding on a Thursday? But it's just a perfect film, and it's like people now appreciate Nicolas Cage, which is amazing. <laughs> From a from a kind of running joke and the whole or where he's got to and then, and then the history of swear words and stuff like that to then come out with this and a performance like this in a film like this just a massive massive surprise and for me nothing even got close to being film of the year for me nothing at all. It's hard to argue with anything you've said. It's it is a perfect film. It's incredible. Everything the the direction, the use of sound, the use of light and shadow, like all the technical wanky things that <laughs> I like in a good film. Like it has everything, and th- there's every chance that this film may have passed us by had it not been for the fact that we did this podcast. Mm-hmm. And again, it's like the second film where all three of us have had it on our top fives at the end of it. Like. These are rare beasts, these kind of films, and it it's incredible. And I think it's between this and Bo Burnham's Inside, which is technically a film, for the my most watched films of 2021. I must have seen Pig at least seven or eight times since it's been out. It was only released in like was it June or something like that. <laughs> I, I love it, and it gives me something... Every time I've watched it, I've come away with some an appreciation of a different factor to it. Mm. It's such a good film. Yeah, agreed. Um, it, the only reason I would say it, it didn't scrape in the top two for me was just because on kind of where I'm on like third viewing now of it, like I've seen it like three times since it's come out. Um, the third viewing of it, I was I'm I'm slightly fatigued with pig i think because <laughs> of how much we've talked about it and how much we've done about it and the whole and then i'm 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 slightly fatigued with pig um but it's just it is fantastic and it's one of these like the, uh, we've said it before the measure of its uh, of, of its power and how great is it you just immediately want to tell everybody about it and that's exactly what we were like when we just couldn't couldn't stop talking about it it was mm. um it was great and i can see why it's at the top of anybody's list because it was a bolt out of the blue, wasn't it? Let's be honest. Mm. It had, and this is what for me, you know, in, in a in a weird way, exactly. It's got the the same thing as Free Guy. It had all the recipe to be a a real shit show, and it just wasn't. Mm. And like I've been looking at some of the end of year lists in uh, from like The Guardian to Sight and Sound to Empire and Total Film, and it's in everybody's like top ten, top twenty films. Whether you're a filthy casual or a cineast. Everyone seems to love this film. 
there yeah. aren't many which can transcend that, I don't think. It, it's got to a kind of weird and a meta state now as well. Whenever I see it in a list of anything, it's almost like... <laughs> It's like when Cody got called up for England. <laughs> it's like <laughs> this is ours. We we yeah. we, we made this happen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I do feel some sort of ownership towards it. Like I genuinely care that it that it gets into the Oscar nominations. No, I'll watch the Oscar films anyway, but I don't care which films get there. But I do with this. Like I, it feels part of me almost. <laughs> you know, it's weird and it shouldn't because it's just a film, but. It's more yeah. than that as well. Yeah, and I've I've watched it twice. The first time, just I mean, normally I'll watch a, a cage film once, and then I'll Watch write the down. Yeah, I'll write down anything on my phone afterwards. If I miss anything, I don't really care because it'll come up anyway. This one, I watched it again to write things down, and mm. now I'm not going to watch this for until I'm in my fifties. I'm not going to touch it for another twenty years. I'm just not going to because it's perfect. And it, it's and I don't want to be I don't want it to get to pig fatigue, <laughs> which could which could easily happen. Yeah. So Superb. that happened with Babe, and I can't watch Babe anymore. <laughs> Wonderful, right? So that's our top fives done. We'll be back next week where we'll be discussing our top five disappointments of 2021. We're not normally negative, but I think we need to talk about some of the the stuff that let us down. We need a cleansing, uh, don't we? We cleansing do, we do. That's it. We'll we'll set fire to it, and we'll just see what the uh, what's left on the ground. Uh, so please make sure you've got us on the Twitter at Cage Fighting Pod. Apparently, we're on Instagram now. I've never used it, so Matt, that that's to you. That's my baby to deal with. Yeah. Um, so yeah, get us on there. Is it at Cage Fighting Pod on Instagram? Uh, yes, as well? I believe I believe it is. I believe it is. <laughs> Superb. Emails to Cage Fighting Pod at gmail so for this week, Matt, would you like to say goodbye? Look after yourselves in 2021, boy, 2022, Christ, uh, boys Oof. and girls, Oof, and yeah. uh, make sure you are staying safe. Stu, would you like to say goodbye? Keep it filmy. Ta-ra. And it's goodbye from me. And remember, be excellent to each other. <laughs> What are you waiting for? Chinese New Year? Go, go, go!